You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. speaking to me and, I, and I'm going to share I'm sharing what I shared this morning but it's going to be a little bit different tonight just a little bit and I want to talk to you about unseating principalities and that sounds very I don't know spiritual warfare-ish and it, and it kind of is and I'm going to do my best to uh, to keep this in context of proper spiritual warfare because there's a lot of spiritual warfare that happens that's just really that's just really weird just be honest, it's just really weird. Liz and I were involved in some things years ago, not heavily involved, but more like with some people, and things just got weird. I mean, they just prayed weird. They did weird stuff. Some of it was prophetic. Some of it was pathetic. And, you know, so I, I'm really careful about, like, spiritual warfare stuff, but here's the thing is that we have an enemy. I'm going to tell you something. You have an enemy. It's not me. Praise God. If I step on your toes a little bit tonight, I am not your enemy. That's the Holy Spirit trying to help you understand some things. Because I'm going to stretch your thinking tonight. I promise you I'm going to stretch your thinking. And so, but we have an enemy. We have an enemy that wants to defeat us, that wants to destroy us. And so Paul said that we should not be ignorant of his devices. Well, the way that we become unignorant is that we learn the truth concerning who God is, what his word says, you know, all of those, all of those things. And so how many of y'all want to be somebody that's not ignorant of Satan's devices? Amen. So we're going to have some proper spiritual warfare uh, conversation tonight that's going to really help us be able to see this appropriately. And, you know, most of the warfare that takes place, it really is in the realm of your of your mind. It's in the realm of sometimes of relationships. And it's not about going into, it's, and there's interesting, delicate balance because we do a lot of praying in this church, but I don't believe in doing praying of people coming together and like constantly just casting down, you know, all of the principalities and stuff like that, because it doesn't work. It doesn't work because if it did work, then all the intercession teams, um, you know, like over San Francisco, they would have been able to deal with the homosexual spirits over San Francisco a long time ago. Come on. How about all of the, the, the gambling spirits? And I believe that those spirits and principalities, they are really there. And the way that I, the way I see how that stuff works is like when people decide that they're going to get fleshy, it's an invitation for, the, for demonic spirits to, to enter in. And so when you have these, these places where people are, are doing a bunch of the same wicked stuff, there really are principalities that get, really get invited in because demonic spirits and principalities and those kind of things, they don't have authority in the earth. This is like why when Jesus, he went to cast out legion out of the, the, the Gadarene demoniac, and they said, please, please, please send us into the pigs. At least let us go into the pigs. And I just think that's so funny. If, I think if I were Jesus, I would have been like, no, you know, I don't know, just to be mean to him. But he's like, all right, go into the pigs. And so they went to the pigs, and then they, remember they, they ran off the cliff and they ran over. It's interesting, Jesus killed all of their livestock by doing it. Well, they killed it, but he allowed it. Interesting, a lot of interesting things in there. Uh, but the reason they wanted to go into the swine was because they had more authority in the swine than not being in something. Demonic spirits don't just have power to go about doing stuff. It's what people allow them to have. We, we are the ones, the seed of Adam. We have the authority in the earth. And when it comes to being not just the seed of Adam in the natural, but also being born again of the spirit of God, not only do we have like natural authority, but we also have spiritual authority. Because Jesus said, this day I give unto you uh, heaven and earth, authority over heaven and earth. We have authority over both of those things. Demonic spirits don't have authority, but what they do is, what they have is they have influence. And they have influence because people have believed their lies. So the way that you deal with it is by telling people the truth. Do we pray? Absolutely. But prayer, it's like just preaching the gospel, it is enough, but if you don't have prayer, you're gonna endure fire that you shouldn't have to endure fire. And if all you're doing is praying, all you're doing is just honestly spending more time communicating with the devil than, than really going out and reaching people's hearts. Both of those things are important. We need to pray, and I believe in binding and loosing and all of that kind of stuff, but it can't just be that. 
if it, again, if it was that, then we would have places where you've had, you've had principalities that have been hovering over. Do you know that Bonterre has principalities that hover over this region that influence people? It's true. St. Louis has that. New Orleans has that. Oh, you can name every place, basically. And there are principalities and things that work to influence people. And so, yeah, you can deal with some of those things in prayer, and we should deal with those things in prayer, but it's really about having proper understanding because what you know and the knowledge you have, the revelation knowledge you have of God is the thing that will forearm you for what it is that will come against you. Because if you don't know something, you can't stand against anything. And we have to be able to know what the truth of the the word of God is. So without any further ado, here's what I'm gonna talk to you about tonight, is I'm gonna talk to you about unseating Jezebel. Just about outside of this morning too, great. So uh, this is really one of the most challenging things to talk about because most people have heard the term Jezebel. They have said the term Jezebel, But I would say that probably 90 to 95% of the church knows nearly almost nothing about the spirit of Jezebel. And I'm not saying that you're part of that. Maybe you know 10 times more than I do about it. I don't know. But I'm just saying that most people really don't know much about it. And what they have heard about it has been used for manipulation. It's been used for abuse. And it's caused people to want to shy off having understanding about the spirit of Jezebel. And I can tell you this, and, and Liz is my witness, that we, had, we went through a season, and you as my witness, and you as my witness, we went through uh, quite a few seasons, but one season in particular that was really long, where until I figured out what was trying to usurp my authority, was I able to really be the pastor, be the leader that God had called me to be. And so I had to come into some understanding about some things. As a matter of fact, um, we were, when we were over, over this way, uh, I'll say 14 years ago-ish, and we were an associate, associate pastors at, at a church uh, close here, we, had, um, we were dealing with a situation, actually a few situations, and uh, I'm looking, like, you were there, and you were there, you weren't part of the situation, neither one of you, but anyways, if you were, you wouldn't be here, I guarantee you that, but... Um, and so we were, de- and so I dealing with this situation, a couple situations. So I called, I called a friend of mine uh, in in ministry, and I and I explained to him and told him what was going on. He said, "Man, you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit," and I was like, "Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't. All I'd heard is negative stuff about Jezebel because some of the camp." Uh, of people that I came from, like their mentality was like, Jezebel's not a real thing. I went to this minister's conference one time and the guy up leading uh, a, a song, he was not a pastor, I can tell you that. He was not a pastor. He was a musician who wasn't leading anybody. Um, and well, it's just true. He was smoking dope and doing weird stuff, come to find out. But anyways, he had this song where in the middle of the song, he was like a, he was like a, um, he was a folk singer, and he would he would do the, the like uh, what am I trying story songs and one story and he had used the, the scriptures and one of them he was like and Jezebel is dead and a few people mostly non pastor people were like woohoo yeah Jezebel's dead and all the pastors are looking around going this guy's an idiot he's never pastored. so I would say to anybody that doesn't believe that Jezebel's a reality you've either never pastored or you've never read your Bible. Because there's, there's like multiple chapters in First and Second Kings that talk about Jezebel. And at the very end of the book, we're going to look at some of this tonight. At the very end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 2 and 20, it talks about Jesus is speaking. And John's writing what Jesus is speaking to the church of Thyatira. And he says, I have this against you because you have tolerated. You have allowed that woman Jezebel. And so there is a place in the church for dealing with the spirit of Jezebel. Well, during that time when I was dealing with that and I was looking for wisdom, I called somebody else who I thought might know more, and I told them the same scenario. He said, man, you're dealing with the Jezebel spirit. I had two people telling me the same thing. I'm like, what do I do? He said, let me send you a book. Two or three days later, I had this book in my hands. I've read many uh, books. I've listened to tons of teaching, and I've been studying Jezebel periodically over the years. This is a book by Steve Sampson. And it's called Confronting Jezebel, Discerning and Defeating the Spirit of Control. 
And so I've read this. I think I've read this a couple times. I reference it often. I keep copies of this book in my office when I'm counseling people that I will give to them because oftentimes people will tell me what their husband's doing, what their wife's doing, what their mom's doing, what their kid's doing. And I'm like, listen, you're dealing with a spirit of control. There's Jezebelic activity that's going on, and you need to know how to deal with that. I will literally give them one of these books. It's been a really great source. That book and the understanding, the wisdom that came from that book uh, that I just held up, but now I knocked over the anointing oil with the book. And so, and now I knocked the marker off into the floor. And so anyways, uh, this, this book saved uh, that church and probably saved me in ministry at that time. And then so fast forward, when we got to Perryville, um, I thought I had dealt with the worst of stuff. No, 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 no. We came into a situation there where it was, it was like claws, horns, pitchforks, all kinds of nasty stuff. Not literal, but just like really spiritually, really, really bad stuff. And that's how I end up getting fired. I have a little bit more liberty tonight. Because I was looking at the crowd this morning, and I'm like, it was an interest. It was interesting. It was interesting. I'll just leave it at that. And so I was trying to be careful, and I'm like, I changed the names to protect the guilty. As I'm telling the stories, you won't know who the guilty ones are. But I didn't get into a whole lot of stories because I, I really don't ever want to dishonor people, but I want to bring about substance and understanding so we can know how to defeat the enemy when we come across these situations. God doesn't work in darkness; He works in the light. And whenever we're in darkness in something and our understanding, then it's, it's really a, a, I don't want to say it's an open door, but it's, it's less advantage to us if we don't know what's going on. Let me put it that way. And so we should never be like ignorance is bliss. I had that mentality, and for six years, there was a principality seated in my church that, not my church, but God's church that he had called me to steward. For six years, there was a principality named Jezebel that was positioned in my pulpit that God had given me, and I didn't realize it. You know why? Because I was an Ahab. Jezebel doesn't have any power without Ahab because Jezebel is an illegitimate authority. She doesn't have legitimate power, so she has to go and steal it from someone who has legitimate authority. We'll read about Ahab. We're probably going to have to take off on this tonight, and we'll maybe get deeper into it next week. But Ahab was the king of Israel, and he married the, and I'm not being derogatory, I'm being honest, he married the witch Jezebel. And Jezebel was a prophetess to the god, the fake god Baal, and they worshiped the god Baal, and on their marriage arrangement, it was provided a temple for her to bring in her Baal worship into the kingdom of Israel. And in doing that, that was the very first step where Ahab, who was already an extremely wicked man, he was a wicked king, the most wicked king that Israel ever had, that was the very first step of him ultimately relinquishing his reign as the king, as the rightful king, even though he was not a righteous king, he was the rightful king. He relinquished it to Jezebel. Now, let me say something before we go any further. This is extremely important. Jezebel is, does not just work through women. Jezebel works through women. It works through men. Men, not men. Men. It works through either gender. And by the way, those are the only two genders that it can work through, okay? <laughs> it doesn't work through any of the other 300 genders, only those two, okay? <laughs> I know people that tell me like all of this stuff about like how many genders. I'm like, hello here. There's only two types of, of plumbing that happen when a baby's born, and that's why we say male and female. But anyways, okay. So, uh, it can, it can work in either, in either gender. And so there's been a lot of uh, manipulation that's taken place in the church primarily using the term Jezebel, which is why when you talk about it, people are like, whoa, I don't want to talk about that because they associate talking about Jezebel with you're going to call me a Jezebel and that I'm controlling and most of the time what's happened is you have really, most of the time you have really strong women and because most pastors don't know how to lead strong people and they don't know how to lead strong women, instead of saying, let me see the gift of God in you and let me be able to take what God has placed in you, prophesy over, over you, speak into it and pull out what God has placed in you so that you can be the blessing to people that God has called you to be. They're just like, whoa, I don't know what to do with you. You must be a Jezebel. 
Like that stuff's been going on in church for years. And, you know, the Lord, he, it's interesting because he put a lot of really, really strong women around me. I've dealt with strong women for a lot of years. Now, Liz is not a, like, personality-wise, I don't mean in the Lord, but just personality-wise, Liz is not a very, like, she doesn't have that, she won't argue with me. Yeah, okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, but like, you know, my, my sister, you know, she works very close with us in ministry, of course, and she's a very strong personality. And so I've dealt with that, that kind of person, dealt with, I'm sorry, it's sound, I'm trying to find a better way to say, I've had to deal with that for years. But, you know, I've had, to, I've had to learn how to shepherd people, and not just women, but men also that have really strong personalities. Just because you have a strong personality doesn't mean you're a Jezebel. Amen. I've met, as a matter of fact, I would say more of people that, and, and I also, I want to say this too. I don't think it's really fair to call somebody a Jezebel. I think it's fair to say that people, they take on Jezebelic characteristics is probably to me the best way that you could say it. And so they are operating in a spirit of Jezebel. And I would say, honestly, probably I've dealt with a, a Jezebelic spirit probably more in like like timid people and like drawn back people than I have really aggressive ones. And so, you know, people that are in leadership, they just have to learn how to lead all kinds of people and not just call them something because they don't know what to do with them. This is what happens a lot of times with, uh, and honestly, I think a lot of times it's the pot calling the kettle black. You'll have pastors that will have strong prophetic voices in their churches and they won't know what to do with them, and so they'll end up calling them uh, Jezebel because they don't know what to do with the prophetic people that they have. And ministers have to learn how to, how to, how to pastor prophetic people. And so I'll move off of that for the moment. I'm going to get into more of really what a Jezebel spirit uh, is. I'm going to read some things because there's some things very pointed I want to say here. Uh, that I think is really important. And so I kind of said this, but let me read this. This topic has been misunderstood and therefore abused by weak men in order to control, control, subdue, and suppress women. That's not always been conscious on, on a lot of leaders' parts, but there is a lot of truth in the fact that that's how people have often uh, viewed women in ministry. And listen, I am for women doing ministry and ministering and preaching and prophesying, and I don't have time to get it. And every time I say that, someone's like, well, look here to what it says in the Word. Listen, I believe the whole Word. I just don't think that people really understand what the Bible's talking about when it's saying women keep silent in the church. It's talking about Paul was writing to, the, to them, and it was actually saying wives. Some translations say women. It was saying wives because there were issues that were taking place in the church. He was telling the husbands, you need to get your, your home in order. Order. And that's all I'm going to say about it for the moment. But I believe, I believe in women doing ministry and praying over people and doing those kind of things. And we need to believe that because I believe that Jesus believes that. As a matter of fact, if you want to go and look at somebody who was pro-women in ministry, go look at the life of Jesus. You know who he surrounded himself with largely when he was here on the earth? He surrounded himself with women in ministry. And whenever you have a group of people that have to fight for something they shouldn't have to fight for, it always goes to the other extreme. You notice this. You know, we have, we have, uh, we've seen BLM uh, in particular. They've, they like tore up the streets and stuff. And what happened is that there, there were definitely injustices towards black people in our country. And they had to fight for things they never should have had to fight for. They should have been free in our country from the get-go, and they should have had the right to vote, drink from water fountains, ride in the front of the bus, and all of that stuff. Agreed? But they had to fight for something that they should have rightly had. And what happens is that when people fight for things that they should automatically have, they end up going way overboard and way too far. That's why we see, well, that's part of the reason why we see the stuff about, oh, I forgot I'm on YouTube. Hmm. We've already got two strikes, right? Or one strike. We had one warning and one strike. Joseph got the warning. I got the strike. Anyways, so when you see some of these organizations that you know that that cater to this stuff, it's very politically pushed and whatever, all of that kind of stuff. But there's something in the heart of people that they felt like they had to fight for something, and many of them did had to fight for something they never should have had to fight for. And then you have the same thing with women. Why should women have ever been denied the right to vote in our country? I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, they're not only human beings, they're also citizens of, uh, of the United States. Why shouldn't they have the right to vote? Amen. And so here's my point, is that whenever people have to fight for something, 
it always goes way overboard. And you want to know why there are women marching in the streets for the right to kill their own babies? That's the reason why. They took something that they should have had, and they took way too far and got ungodly with it. All right, anyways, I'm moving on from there. So here's the deal. The ones who should have had the revelation of Jezebel have had no revelation at all, meaning spiritual leaders, pastors of such. They had no revelation, only knowledge, and therefore have wrong application. When you have knowledge and you have no understanding of that knowledge, you have no revelation of it, then you will, you will misapply it. Here's how this works. Imagine, you know, if you went to, you know, you came and, and asked me, you're going to go to the beach, okay? And uh, you, uh, you don't want to get sunburn. You know, the sun's going to hurt you. And you don't want to get sunburned, all right? And so you call me and you say, you know, Pastor Kent, you're such a good pastor. I'm sure you know how to, yeah, shameless plug there. Anyways, start over here. Uh, you're such a good pastor, Pastor Kent. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm kidding. Um, so can you tell me what's the best way to keep from getting a sunburn? Now, I know nobody would ask this because you, you know at this point in your life, but I'm just using it as an analogy. But if you ask me, how do I keep from getting a sunburn? I would say, well, you need to go get yourself some SPF 40, all right? And you need to lather that stuff on, you know, really good. If, you, if you're going to be out in the sun, if you can get under an umbrella, that'd be good. But if you're going to be out in the sun, that's how you keep from getting a sunburn, all right? And so I tell you that, you go stop by, you know, Walmart, and you buy yourself some SPF 40, and you don't really have time to read the instructions. And you don't know how to apply sunscreen. You don't really know what that looks like. And you remember taking something before and you just put it in the cap and you drank it down. And so you thought, well, this must be the same thing, right? So I'm going to take four ounces and I'm going to dump it into the, the cap or a cup and I'm going I'm to drink it down. What happened? You got sick from drinking sunscreen. Yuck, yuck. And you also still got sunburned. Why? Because you had knowledge of something, but you had no understanding of how to apply that knowledge. This is exactly what people do with Jezebel. They go, people run around calling anything and everything Jezebel, and they don't have a cotton-picking clue what they're talking about. And they just, people just use it, just, you know, free whatever. Well, I'm going to help you understand this a little bit. Everybody like that analogy? Hallelujah. So here's something that's really important to know. People are not born... Uh, Jezebels, all right? They become Jezebelic in their actions. And the way this happened is, and, and I believe this is the, the problem in the church is that it's through forced submission, which is actually an oxymoron, and I'm gonna explain this. Submission and being forced don't go together because true submission is a choice. So this nature in, in turn gets reproduced in others. And what Jezebel ultimately wants, here's what Jezebel's goal is, okay? Jezebel's goal is, is to control everything in your life or wherever. It's to control. She's power hungry, and she wants to control to the point of getting you to quit, getting you to step back from your post so that she can work her magic, so that she can wield her witchcraft. That's exactly what she did with King Ahab. And so, and then she, she did that with Elijah. We're going to get into some of those, some of those things. But then what happens is that people, because they've been forced and they've been in, under control and not in true submission, they've been forced to submit, which again is not even accurate, that nature that, that they were under got put in them. And so what you hang around, what you behold, what you look at, what you have, the, the influence you have over you, that's the thing you'll reproduce in your life. You want to hang around Jesus? You'll come out, you'll turn out like Jesus. You want to, hang, you want to become a drunkard? Go to the bar and you'll become a drunkard. You know, if you want to hang, hang around whatever, whatever that looks like, that's what you're going to end up having in your life. So when you have church people that have been under controlling leadership for decades, and it's a whole culture that's in the church, and the idea of true submission has been totally lost, you have people rising up, acting Jezebelic more than they ever have because the nature of control over them produced a nature of control in them. Here's what submission is. Submission is putting yourself under authority, not someone else putting you there. 
That's what true submission is. And here's the way I explain this to people often this way, that uh, because I've had people, you know, over the years, especially when it comes to, to men and they think that their, their wife is not in line and it's almost always the man's fault. Not always, but it's almost always the man's fault. If he would rise up and lead his home, statistics show if men will just rise up and lead their home, things smooth out in their house because they're anointed to lead. They just got to lead without pride because they're also, they have waffle brains and they don't see everything. Men, men are numbskulls sometimes. That's why God gave us these wives that have incredible intuition. They can see things we can't see. Amen. And so, hallelujah. And so, um, you know, I've had people sometimes, they'll, they'll come and they'll say, I don't, I don't feel, and I, I had this one instance one time, and this, this guy, he's like, he's like, Pastor Kent, my wife is just totally out of control. And I knew the situation, this lady was anything but out of control. He was out of control. And he's like, my wife's out of control, and he's like, don't I have a, a biblical right to just make her submit? And I was like, well, you know, uh, let me ask you something. I said, where'd you, get, you know, where'd you get that from? And he couldn't give me chapter and verse, which the idea of that primarily comes from Ephesians chapter five, where he's talking about Christ in the church and he's talking about marriage. And so I went and I, I read that to him and I read the part that says, now wives, submit yourself unto your husbands. See, guys always like that. They're like, yeah, see there, see there, woman. They say it just like that too, see there, woman. And so you know, men, men, men tend to like that one a lot, but they don't read the next part where it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You want to find a submissive wife, you first need to have a submissive husband to the Lord and to her in love, and you will almost always find a woman that will just do anything because she's so, she feels so loved, she feels so protected, she feels so cared for, and that when a husband loves God and then just loves his wife and will lay himself down for her, there's almost nothing that she won't do. Not because she's told to, but because she wants to. She longs to. And so Jesus, here's the point, is that Jesus, it, let me ask you a question. Is it right for us to be surrendered and submitted to the Lord? Let me just see, is that a right thing? So let me see a show of hands in here. Which one of you did Jesus come to you in the middle of the night and say, submit to me? Did Jesus say that? To, if, if Jesus told you that, you encountered a demon and we need to help you because Jesus didn't tell anybody that. What, what Jesus did was he laid his life down for us and he gave unconditional, no strings attached love. And when we saw that love, we said, I want you, anything you want. And the more we get a hold of his love, the more we behold it, the more we say, anything you want, Jesus, I'll do for you. I will follow you anywhere, through any situation. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. That's submission. Because this was right, or this was right, you said, I'm going to come under that. It was a choice. And because people have called control submission, the church has been really screwed up for a long time. And the biggest problem is that we've taught submission to men over submission to God. Your first responsibility is not to me. It's to the Lord. That is your first responsibility. It's to the Lord. I am not your God. I don't want that responsibility. I can barely lead me. <laughs> but it's almost like, you know, like pastors and senior leaders and stuff have almost been put in this position like, you will serve me. No, really what pastors and senior leaders are supposed to do is they're supposed to come in and say, I will serve you and I will lay down my life and do anything I can to help you. This is why we just have just decided, like, not just, but we decided years ago, just plainly, simply, that we're going to serve people. We don't come in and expect people to serve us. And you know what I've found? The more I serve people, the more, pe the more I have people say, Pastor, we want to help you with this. What can we do? How can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we do something? I don't manipulate anybody, and I don't treat them differently if they don't. Just love people and serve people. And then what happens is that people willingly, as unto the Lord, will come underneath of you.
That's proper submission. So what happened is that, and I believe this is what has happened, is that there's been, there's been a lot of Jezebelic activity that's been produced in the church because of terrible leaders over those people. And so a lot of people have, have just turned and have done the same thing in, in strange ways and opened themselves up to the enemy. And so Jezebel is an unsubmitted witchcraft principality that targets soul-winning, word-carrying, gospel-preaching, apostolic, prophetic people. Let me say this again. I'm going to explain it a little bit more here, okay? Jezebel, as far as this spiritual entity, is an unsubmitted witchcraft principality that targets soul-winning, word-carrying, gospel-preaching, apostolic, prophetic people. Her ultimate aim is to pressure and control you to the point of quitting and leaving your post. I'll probably get into this more next week, but we went for years, and it wasn't Liz, but it was really me, and I had, I wasn't just like, man, this is getting tough. I just, I'd like to call her quits. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like a long day at work, you know, you're working for 12 hours, and you're like, well, I want to call her quits. Like, it wasn't that. It was my God, help me do anything else beside what I am doing. And it was so crazy and so demonic. And at the time, it was like I couldn't, I couldn't even see it because I was underneath of this, this cloud because of what was operating in the church that I had, to, I had to deal with, the control and things that were going on. And it was like I just I couldn't even see uh, really what was taking place in the spirit until, until God opened up my eyes. And I didn't understand and, and just looking back on it so wild, I didn't want to do anything except for what God wanted me to do. And I just wanted to minister to people and help people. Just from a, young, just from a very young age. I know I'm still young, amen? <laughs> I'm 41 this month, it's crazy. Um, I don't do whatever you want to with that, but. <laughs> and. So I had all of this desire and vision and stuff, and then I step into it, and it wasn't long that, before long that all I wanted to do was quit it. It was a supernatural, a demonic, supernatural assignment to make me want to quit. I'll get into more of that probably next week. But so why is Jezebel a principality? What does that mean? Let me show you this. Ephesians chapter six. I have lots of scripture verses. I'm just not gonna get into very many of them tonight because I'm setting this thing up to go in deeper uh, next week, Ephesians 6 and 12. Uh, if we've got that verse, can we pull that up on the screen? Wonderful. It says, for we do not wrestle. We all know this very well. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's really, really important that we understand that when, when you're fighting Jezebel, any really any demonic spirit, entity, principality, anything, you have to remember people are not the problem. Here's, here's my philosophy with dealing, especially with Jezebel, but, uh, but really any demonic spirit is that you love the people but you're ruthless with your enemy. Ruthless with your enemy. I've sat in meetings before, and I have this with people that I had to deal with that I knew that were operating this way. And the way that I, I posture my heart, and I've learned over the years, is I'll go in and I'll pray with them, I'll love on them, I will hug them, even though I know if they had the opportunity and wouldn't get caught, they would shove a knife right in my back. I would do all... Dude, this is for real, actually, for real. I had, a, I, had, I had dreams where people were sticking knives in my back and saying it was the Lord showing me what was going on. Uh, I had got after, after I, they, they tried to fire me and the Lord turned it all around. Uh, one of those people was questioned by one of our people. They just saw him, how you doing, da, 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 whatever. And they said, if, if I ever met Kent in a dark alley, I'd kill him. Oh, well, that's, that's lovely. <laughs> All I tried to do was get your wife healed up because she was run, ru running and ruining everybody's life in the church. And so anyways, that was, that was wonderful. And so you, but I've gone, I go into those meetings and I'm like, man, I just love you and I, I'm here to help you. I want to see you get healed, didn't we? You were with me through that whole thing. And what was our conversation? There's problems here and you need to get healed up. Yeah, right? And, but at the same time, I was set just like this and on the inside. You're not going to move me, you nasty thing. Not the woman, but it's the spirit that she was carrying. And if you don't do that, it will move you, it will push you, it will not quit. And I'm telling you, it's, it is the nastiest fight. It's like wrestling a crocodile. 
and, and I've never even done that. I'm just imagining that. That would be really, you know, <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? I mean, it's just like until finally, you know, you, you duct tape its mouth shut or whatever, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's done. And so you just have to have this mentality that you stay in love, but then you also realize what you're dealing with. But look here, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against people, but against principalities. Now, let me say this in context. I've taught this many times. The book of Ephesians is the best book in the whole Bible, I think. The first three chapters are talking about who you are and who Christ is in you. Then in chapter four, verse one, he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then from, from that, that's like verse two, probably somewhere around there of chapter four, all the way to chapter six and through verse nine, he talks about relationships, husbands, wives, parents, children, bosses, employees, and, and a bunch of mix of church relationships in there. And then in verse 10, he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And actually, can we go back to verse 10? Can you pull up verse 10? If you go back a couple of verses. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So he talks about all these natural relationships, all right? And then he jumps right into spiritual warfare. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, here we are, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He's telling them, look, you got to win in all these relationships, but understand the reason you're having challenges in the relationships is that there are demonic entities that are working behind the scenes to destroy relationships. Here's what you need to know about Jezebel. Jezebel is a controlling principality, but it's a, it's a principality that primarily works within relationships. It's very, very important. If you want to know, and you're going to see, especially next week, I'm going to get into more, and you're going to see like, oh my gosh, I know what happened here, and I know what happened here, and I know what happened here, and I know what happened here, because you've been experiencing this for a long time. You just didn't know what you were dealing with, and so I'm going to help you see it. But he says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness and the heavenly places. And so he gives all kinds of things that are going on there. But do you know that in the kingdom of God, there's a rank and file? Uh, I'll say, I'll say in the, we'll just say in the church, Jesus is the head of the church, right? And then uh, after that, and I'll say just right there with him, of course, is the, is the Holy Spirit, the, other, the other third part of the Godhead. And, but then you've got, you know, you've got all of the, the church governmental system that's there. That's right. That's proper. That's biblical. That's God's uh, order, which by the way, is why fivefold ministry has been fought so hard against because God has a rank and file to deal with the enemy's rank and file. True story. And yeah, I'm not going to go there. I don't have time to go there, but uh, there, this is a rank and file is what this is. It's talking about principalities and powers and rulers and darkness and all these different things. And here's the thing is the enemy never creates anything. He steals, copies poorly, perverts it, and then he operates that way. So what he did is he saw the fact that God had a rank and file. He got kicked out of God's rank and file. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God for Michael. I want to meet my, I'm looking forward to meet Michael one day. <laughs> That guy's a, he's, that angel's a beast. And so he was the one that kicked Lucifer out of, out of heaven, all right? But anyways, so Satan comes over, used to be Lucifer, comes over, and he creates his own kingdom. And, you know, he's powerless because Jesus has stripped him of his power, but he's not stupid. He has specific assignments to people and regions and churches I didn't know this, and I thought just coming in to, to pastor, it was like, we just love Jesus, and we just, you know, we're just going to worship Jesus, and, you know, we're just going to tell people about Jesus, and just come over here, brother, let me give you a hug, and how are you guys doing? And then all the while, behind the scenes, because you were not, you, speaking of me, was not operating in my proper authority, and I was Ahabish, which meant that I feared people. I feared what people thought. And I had, a, I had a real, you know, vigorous thing in me, but at the same time, I was so concerned about, about people leaving and people being upset and all this stuff that I just let stuff go on that I should have never let go on. And so now, I don't operate in control, but we operate in order. And that's, that's like why we have core values. It's like, it's real simple. 
when someone's being nasty, I'm like, wait a second here. Let's see. Love, yeah, that violates that. Faith, excellence, definitely not excellence in your relationship. Unity, totally violate that. Yeah, honor, you're not being honoring, and you're really not being hospitable either. You're kind of violating all of those things. Is that me being controlling? No, that's me pointing to what God said, how we're going to, the vision of the house, the, the culture of the house, how it's going to be ruled. It's real simple. And they're like, well, I just, I just had to deal, just had to deal with this. Total Jezebelic situation. Total. Can I just, eh, I don't know. Should I? No? Okay, thank you. Holy Spirit number one, Holy Spirit number one, two, three, four. They all said no. So I'll just say this, that somebody did something stupid. Stupid. It was so simple. Don't do this. And they said, I'm going to do it. Stupid. Very lovingly, I said, person, what you did, I didn't say it was stupid. I'm telling you it's stupid because it was. I'm not even supposed to say stupid in church. It's a cuss word. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm not supposed to say stupid anywhere, I guess, really. I don't just not cuss in church. <laughs> I can say it at home. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, man. But I just said, am I going too far here? Am I, I'm okay. Yeah, okay, I'm okay. Uh, I said, you brought dishonor to the situation and to the people and to the house. I'm going to get into more of this. I don't, I'm out of time. Jezebel will never admit they're wrong. If they give an apology, it sounds just like this. I am sorry if... Now, I didn't even get that, <laughs> but I'm sorry if. That's like, I want you to still like me and leave me alone, but there's no way I'm going to admit that I'm wrong. You know, one of the greatest, the greatest things you can have in life is going to somebody, not, not being wrong. I've been wrong once or twice, but, you know, <laughs> but it's being able to go and say, I totally blew it. You know it. I know it. I am sorry for that particular thing that I did. I was wrong. It releases you. It releases them. It brings, builds trust in the relationship. Here's what's crazy. This, this sounds like a healthy sickness right here. I don't, I don't like, um, I don't like con contention and, and, and things like things that not be good. But whenever something like bad happens between me and somebody else, this is what I do. I go, oh, this is an opportunity either for them to come up another level and me to come up another level and or we're going to draw closer to, through this thing. Because, you know, trust is what is like a, the bedrock for all relationships to be able to trust people. And you know how you build trust? Trust can only be built through conflict. Because... You can say that, you know, you're trustworthy or that you trust somebody, but it isn't until that trust is tested is it really put to the test and proven that that, that person is somebody that can be trusted. And you know the kind of people that, that can be trusted are ones that you can go to them and you can bring about a situation, even bring about their wrong. This is biblical this is biblically how you do it. If, if somebody offends you, you go to them and say, hey, this, this thing happened. If they can't acknowledge that they're wrong, let me tell you something. They are not of you, and they are not of God. Mic drop. Are we, have we not been forgiven because we needed forgiveness because we were wrong? Somebody, you want to know how to carry the, names, the, the, the name of the Lord in vain? It's not, oh my God, I'm not in favor of doing that, but I'm just saying, that's not carrying the, the Lord's name in vain. That's not using the Lord's name in vain. It's when you come into a situation and you claim to be a Christian, a believer, a disciple, a, dis a disciple, a follower of Christ, been forgiven and washed in the blood 
but then you cannot acknowledge that you are wrong and or you cannot extend forgiveness to somebody else. People that don't got that, they are not for you. They are not for the church of the Lord Jesus. They are only out for themselves. Now, maybe I'm not saying throw them out, all right? Don't misunderstand me. Maybe they just need to grow up a little bit. We all needed to grow up a little bit. Some of us still need to grow up a little bit, amen? I'm wearing youth pastor shoes tonight. I still need to grow up. I said earlier, I was like, I'm gonna apply for a job as a youth pastor. <laughs> it was like we were shopping. And I was like, man, I got some new digs. Do I have the right shoes? She's like, no, you need white shoes. I'm like, white shoes? Okay. You said white shoes. <laughs> I might pay for that later. Okay. I think the anointing is, has lifted. Let me give you this one, one last thing. I'm going to answer this. I want to ask this question. I want to answer it, okay? Because this is, this is really important. I'm going to leave us here, and then we'll pick up next week. Uh, ask the question, who is Jezebel? Naturally speaking, who is Jezebel? I've, I've started to get into who, what the spirit that's behind her. And by the way, some people would say, well, you know, you know, like that song, you know, Jezebel's dead. It's no longer, you know, longer a factor. Yet the woman, Jezebel, from 1 Kings and 2 Kings, she is dead. The, the wife of Ahab, she's dead. But the spirit that was working through her is very much working through people nowadays, the principality. I forgot to say this. Here's what a principality is. A principality is, and I've used this analogy in other ways, and so this, is, this will help you. A principality is this. Hang with me for a couple more minutes. Then I'm going to read this, and then we'll be done. A principality is this. When you were in school, you had a principal, P-A-L. People get P-L-E and P-A-L mixed up. I wish we could have used different words. It would have been less confusing. Someone told it to me this way, uh, your principal, principal, it's your, she, she or he is your pal. And I was like, yeah, none, none that I ever had, but yeah. Uh, so P-A-L, right? So they're the ones like in charge of running the school. And what they do is they give rules, you know, no chewing gum in class, you know, no fighting with the teacher, don't throw things, whatever the rules are, right? And so those rules get handed down from the principal, P-A-L, and they get turned to principals, P-L-E. And then what happens is that that school takes on the nature of that principal because there's a culture that gets set based on the values that that, that P-A-L, the one in charge, sets for everybody to walk according to. This is exactly what it's talking about when there are principalities. And Jezebel is a principality because what it does, what she does, what the demonic entity does, is it causes people, and I think also other demonic spirits, to take on its nature and then walk and carry that nature. This is why I don't think you can actually cast out a spirit of Jezebel from somebody. I don't actually think you can do that because what you have, I've never, I've never heard of it being done. I've never, I'm not saying it can't be done, but I've never heard of it being done. And the reason why is that a principal teaches principles. And so a demonic principal teaches its perversion to people and other demonic spirits to carry out that assignment to cause people to take on the culture of that thing. And this is why people end up being called a Jezebel because their entire life is characterized by control, by intimidation, by manipulation, by seduction, by all kinds of things. And it's because they've taken on the, the characteristics of the thing that has taught them and trained them. Also pretty quiet in here right now. Just thinking. Believe that. Uh, so here, let me ask this question, and I'm going to give you the answer. Who is Jezebel in the natural, the natural woman that used to live however many thousands of years ago? Jezebel was the daughter of the Sidonian king and priest to the god Baal. Jezebel, her name comes from Jezbal, or Jezabal, Baal. And Baal means uh, married and Jez or Jezzy means not. So her name means not married. She's not somebody that's truly in covenant. Uh, she was mentored in her father's ways in order to come against the one true God. 
There are lots of things that get done in people's homes, people's hearts, in churches that are nothing but an assignment from the enemy to do something different than what God wants to have happen. Often it's just a, what's the term we use? Counterfeit. Um, and so she married Ahab, king of Israel, and their marriage agreement was an establishment of the temple, uh, the temple of Baal, or the temple for Baal. Ahab allowed his witch wife, not which one, the witch, to practice her sorcery in place of worship to the true God. Listen to this. Baal, like I said, means, uh, could mean master. It also could be mean husband. And so Israel divorced Yahweh and married Baal. And so now we have this warning that comes into the church in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20 to the church of Thyatira and says, I have this against you that you have allowed, you have tolerated that woman Jezebel. You have allowed her sorcery into the church. I look at that and it's written, it says, to the angel of the church. of church, And whatever church is talking about, you can look and and. Revelation to the church of, to the angel of the church of, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, Ephesus, Thyatira, Laodicea, all those seven churches. The angel is the the Greek word angelos, which does not mean angel because angels are not in charge of churches. Fivefold ministers are. And it's saying to this, we'll just say the senior leader of the church, I have this against you. And for, there was a point when the Lord wrote to me, and I was like the church in Thyatira. The Lord says, I have this against you, Kent. You have allowed this woman, Jezebel. I had to learn to stand, come against it. And after that is when freedom began to happen in our lives, in every sense of the word, and in our church, in every sense of the word. So what we're doing by me sharing this is I'm unseating principalities. This is a principality that people have been operating in. I'm going to give you more about it. And you know what? I'm so free. Last week in both campuses, I think here too in both places, um, and it was like in a good way, the hinges came off, the wheels of the bus came off and in a good way. That's not normally good, but it was just awesome. But you know what? We're not trying to reproduce a service every week. We're trying to produce or come in alignment with what the Holy Spirit saying. I'm telling you, this is a word for now, and it's going to continue to help and establish us the way that we need to because God has called people has, a, has assigned people to bring down principalities and regions. And this Jezebel has been a principality that's been seated on her throne for way too long in too many places and too many churches. I'm not saying in this church, but I'm just saying the things that she promotes are being removed in Jesus' name. Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give, or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.